In the following live session recording, Jamie Willis, student pastor at Lakewood Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia, talks about equipping parents to lead their kids spiritually. Most of us would agree that parents are the ones who are called to be the primary spiritual leader for their kids. But what does this really look like today? In this session, listeners will hear about some biblical and practical ideas to help parents invest in their kids spiritually through leveraging teachable moments, celebrating spiritual milestones, and creating lasting memories, as well as how to incorporate these ideas into a healthy and effective family ministry in your church. Let's join Jamie now. In the life of three students, okay? Then I want you to expand it out a little bit further. Imagine, thank you very much, sorry about that. Uh, imagine that it's not three, but imagine you have a youth group of about 300. Okay? So wrap your mind around that. Are you going to know every kid's name? No? Are you going to know all the birthdays? And all, I mean, you can pull up a spreadsheet and all that. Are you going to be able to go, go to all the games? Probably not. And that at Lakewood um, is about, we're, we're somewhere in the 250, 300 range. And I'm telling you, it's challenging. As I walk in on a Wednesday, I don't know a lot of them. I'm trying to, and they're kids I disciple, and they're leaders and all this. Um, there are kids that don't even know I'm the youth pastor, which is, I know you're like, that's really weird. Um, but with a lot of them there, and we've got different staff and all that, um, some of that just kind of takes time. And I'm not always the upfront speaker uh, for them. But a youth group like that, that would be a little bit harder to be a part of all that. So think about it uh, a little bit like this, that if you had that youth group of three, and that's what most parents have, if they've got you know, one or two or three kids, you can spend more time investing in their lives and relationally being with them as opposed to having a group of 300, okay? So think about it like that. Another way to think about it is in terms of hours. So every single week, there are how many hours in a week if you can do the math in your head? 168, okay? So right here, and uh, people tried to steal these when I came in, so we had to guard them, uh, but I've got 168 gumballs. So think about it in an average church, in an average youth group. So we would love that kids would come on a Wednesday night for an hour or two, okay? So we'll let that represent a gumball. I even say maybe that's two, two hours on a Wednesday. A lot of churches, uh, we're one of them also to come to Sunday morning, Sunday school, so another one there. Uh, and then maybe they do one other kind of group, uh, discipleship group, something like that. So here's the deal in student ministry. Among the 168 hours, at best, we likely have around four hours. And I tell with our team, we work really hard, and I would imagine you do as well, that we want to do everything we can within those two to three to four hours. We want to make it engaging, and we want to be biblically grounded and, and everything. And we want to do things that we're going to impact them with spiritual truth, but the reality is it's only three to four hours, and think about it, the time they have outside of the walls of the church is many more than that. If it's 168, maybe it's what, 164, 165, and I know that parents aren't literally with them all the time, they're not necessarily sleeping in the same room, probably not, right, but they are with them driving in the car, and they're hanging out with them at dinner, hopefully, some, you know, around, uh, around a meal somewhere. They're doing vacations with them, things like that. So I want us to recognize that parents have way more of a capacity to invest in their youth group of two to three 
than we do in a youth group of 20, 30, 40, 50 by the sheer number of hours. So here's the quote. I think it's in your handout. Christian Smith says this. He says, most teenagers and their parents may not realize it, but a lot of research in the sociology of religion suggests that the most important social influence in shaping young religious people's lives is the religious life modeled and taught to them by guess who? Their parents. Their parents. So think of your role if you're in student ministry or children's ministry that as you're investing in parents, you're investing ultimately in the health of those teenagers down the road. Because the reality is we're with them, you know, from sixth grade, seventh, eighth grade, three years there, four years in high school if they're staying the whole time. But parents, they were with them way before and they're going to be with them way after. So that's maybe a little different way to look about that. So that's the practical one. And here's the humbling reason. And the humbling reason is simply this. Some of what we're doing in youth ministry, and I'm a big fan of youth ministry. I've done it a long time. But I would say some of what we're doing in youth ministry is not working because we're not graduating students 100% that they are fully devoted followers of the Lord. Some of what we're doing is not working. And I think that might be a little humbling because we work real hard. We go to conferences like this and want to learn. But some of what we're doing is not working. In a book, Sticky Faith, which I would highly recommend, and actually at the end of your outline, I put a bunch of uh, just resources of either books we've read or that parent studies on. I, I think that one's in there. Sticky Faith by Kira Powell. She says this, as we've examined research... Uh, other research, our conclusion is that 40 to 50% of kids who are connected to a youth group when they graduate high school will fail to stick with their faith in college. And the reality is I didn't have to have a quote to tell me that. Facebook was pretty good about making that clear. Because I can look back in my youth group growing up and friends that they were the leaders in the youth group and super involved and all that. And they're not. And my guess is for you guys that you are probably seeing some of the same. So some of what we're doing is not working. And while parent ministry, I don't think that this is the sil- this is not the silver bullet end all be all, but I think it's part of the solution. And so I want to take a little bit of time and unpack that. And the way we'll do it today is in uh, two ways. So today is like highly informational. And when we're done, we'll start, I want to do any kind of Q&A and all that. Uh, highly informational, but kind of on two levels. So one level, I want to look at just some ways to help help you understand better. Here's some ideas about how to teach parents how to invest in their kids, okay? So this is an outline you can take back, you can teach your church. It's a way to help them be able to teach their kids. We'll do that level. Uh, Just if you're a parent of a teen, uh, if you know parents of teenagers, if uh, you're around them at your church, it's something you can teach them. So we'll look at that. Uh, Three ways to pass on spiritual truth to your kids. And then um, a little bit later, we're going to go broader and think about what can we as a church do to overall develop a healthy ministry to parents. So two different levels, um, ways that we can help parents teach their kids, and then how do we develop an overall healthy parent ministry, okay? So on the first one, three ways to pass on spiritual truth to your kids. One is this idea of moments. And what we're talking about here is leveraging teachable moments, Leveraging teachable moments. And a teachable moment, it's simply this. It's time with your kids when you're talking about spiritual truth and you're passing on uh, truth about the word of God, about wisdom from life. It sometimes happens in a very planned, more of a, more of a formal, intentional way. Other times, it's more as you go. So I'll give you an example of an as you go. Uh, the other week, I think two weeks ago, we're sitting at the dinner table. And one of my daughters said, hey, a friend of mine 
has got this app where you can, you, once you get the app, you can watch movies that are still at the movie theater. And I thought, I can't wait to know what this app is. That sounds wonderful, but it's wrong, you know? And so I'm thinking about all this. We're talking, the easier thing for me to do as a parent is just go, well, that's terrible. Who is I'm going to call their mom and dad? That's terrible. We're done, you know? And then I'd hear the dad. You know, but instead what we wanted to do, and we don't believe me, we don't do all this right at all. You know, sometimes we're like, okay, great, pass the, you know, pass the broccoli, right? Um, but this one we played around with a little bit. And I said, well, what do you think about that? And they had some different ideas because it just, it, for them, I think it, maybe it isn't totally clear cut because it seems like if you download it from the app store, then it must be legitimate, but we know that's not true. And so we're able to talk a little bit about how, you know, is it possible that maybe in using an app like that, that could be stealing? Well, who are you stealing from? How do you steal something with, you know? So it was just an interesting conversation. Instead of shutting it down, it was a teachable moment. Uh, part of what I'm trying to do with my girls, my wife and I, we're trying to help them to think biblically and not answer everything for them. We want them to, to think through this grid of scripture. And that was a cool, teachable moment. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And, and guys, if you had one like primary verse to teach parents in your church, it would be this. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, uh, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to teach these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them. I love this in verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. You know, sometimes as parents we feel like a broken record. I keep saying the same thing over and over. You're just obeying scripture when you say that, right? Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them. Uh, Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, I love this idea that in verse 7, parents are to impress spiritual truth uh, to their kids. The idea is uh, an engraver of a monument with a hammer and with a chisel, working it, working it, etching something out. And the labor is hard, but you're looking at the end result of what's being accomplished. So parents are to pass on. Spiritual truth for kids. And if you notice in the verse, it says we're to do it as we go. So not a one time a week. Not that we just drop them off to church. So there's big benefit, obviously, in, in them being a part of church. But as we go, as we sit at home, walk along the road, as we lie down, as we get up. And the idea is that within some of the natural rhythms of life, that there are ways that we can impart spiritual truth to our kids. And, and I wonder sometimes, we, as, you know, this is kind of a conference for church leaders, um, if sometimes for parents that we have these grand ideas that, that we want you to do this family devotional and you need to spend your two hours a week and we've got all these things to do. And I think a lot of parents are wiped out and worn out and they're looking for ways to be able to impart spiritual truth to their kids. I think if they were sitting here... All the parents in your church and mine, they would nod their heads and agree that we want to do it, but we hardly know how. We don't have time. We're running to practice and we're getting McDonald's on the way and throwing nuggets to our kids. And, and the truth is life is too, it is too busy and it is too crazy. But even within, within the insane rhythm of how people do life in 2019, I think there's some ways that you can teach parents to impart spiritual truth in both planned teachable moments and then the unplanned. So here's a few ideas on the plan. One way to think about that is mealtime. 
okay? In mealtimes, so think about even uh, just breakfast. So one of the things that we've done at breakfast with our girls, um, a lot of you have that YouVersion Bible app. It's just the one that looks like an old, old-fashioned Bible, Holy Bible. Um, and you can do a verse of the day. And I love it because they pick the verse for me. You can do whatever you want. Usually our breakfast, it's super quick. And we're like, you know, a few of us are eating eggs here. And then someone else comes down later in cereal. So this doesn't happen every morning. But we try to take even just a minute and read the verse of the day and maybe ask a question with that. So it pops up on my phone every morning at whatever, 6 a.m. And verse of the day, easy thing to share with your parents. Another thing is just asking your kids, what is one way, not 50, what is one way I can pray for you today? Another thought, uh, Operation World. So if you know much about people groups, uh, Operation World is incredible because it'll lay out all the people groups in the world and ways you can pray for them. If you go to the just Operation, it's world.com or .org, I don't remember. You go to their homepage, it'll tell you on that particular day, here's the people group to pray for. So if you can pronounce it, say the name of the group and then let your kids know about it. So let's be thinking and praying for this group today. So breakfast time, lunch time, if you're packing their lunch, drop in a note. Uh, and I know everyone packs lunches and all that, but it's some kind of encouragement note or a verse or maybe you text it to them. A lot of our kids have phones at school, which we can argue about that all day long, but they have them, all right? So maybe texting them a verse later in the day. Uh, dinner is probably for our family where we try a little bit more intentionally to maximize that time. So here are a few thoughts at dinner. Uh, for your kiddos or for teaching parents in your church, one of the things we do is we uh, will throw out this idea of either a high or a low or something funny or a way you saw God at work. And I'll tell them if you can give me maybe two of the four. Okay, so a high from the day, something great that happened, a low, something that was hard, something funny, which I found they typically pick the funny thing. Um, and then the other one is what's one way you saw God at work? And you'd be surprised. There are times with that part, they come back and they tell us something, just the coolest thing about something that they saw God do. So the high and the low, something funny, a way you saw God at work. The other thing we've tried to do is at the end of dinner, so we're, and we don't, we try to eat dinner as much as we can during the week. It doesn't happen every night. And now I'm starting to coach volleyball for my daughter's team, and it's going to be more rushed and crazy and all that. But we're trying two to three times a week, um, the end of dinner, to just take about seven to ten minutes, and we do some kind of brief family devotional time around the dinner table, okay? All kinds of ideas for that. In the back of your handout, there's some uh, different books and resources. Again, the Bible app, it has lots of devotions that you can do, and you just kind of, some of you read and you ask questions, so you can certainly use that. Um, a lot of you, if you're using a curriculum for students on Sundays or Wednesday, most curriculums I've seen, I've seen about all of them, they have some kind of parent take home for years. I'd always seen that as a student pastor, but I'm like, Shh, all right, yeah, who cares, not a big deal. And we move on to other stuff. Uh, but uh, with, with, if you have that already built in, find some way to give that uh, to your parents. So we have, uh, at our church, we just call it a, ta- uh, a table talk, all right? And on our website, you can go uh, to the student ministry section, and you can look at Table Talk, and it'll, for a month at a time, it'll lay out from the curriculum, here's what we talked about on Sunday morning, here are the Bible verses, and here are three to four questions you can ask your kids. So I will literally at dinner, and we typically do no phones at the table, unless it's like devotion time, we'll get that out, I'll look on the website and pull it up, and I'm like, oh, this is what our Sunday morning leaders were teaching, this is great. Occasionally my daughter's like, oh, we didn't talk about that at all. You know, I'm like, well, I'm going to talk to your leaders about that. Um, but we walk through that, and, and my girls are, you know, different grains and all that. But we just take a few minutes to open the Word of God together. So that would be one way to do it. 
my uh, definite advice with that is to prepare ahead of time. Uh, there have been a few times I really hadn't done it. I'm like, man, I got a master's degree from Southwestern Seminary. I've been in ministry 20 years. I can wing it. How arrogant is that, right? And so I just would kind of come to it, not really prepare a whole lot. And one day I got out my YouVersion uh, Bible app, and I just picked a plane real quick. And the verse we read, it was, it was a passage, and I think it was in Judges, the one where the king gets stabbed in the stomach and like... And then, like, his guts come out, and I think I was living, reading the New Living Translation, and it's, it was really intense, and my youngest daughter's like, ah, you know? And I'm, like, trying to remember the context, and I, finally I just said, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I should not have read that tonight without preparing. Um, but the point is still, we're trying uh, to do that and, and definitely prepare for it, but some kind of way to open the Word of God together. Uh, so breakfast time, lunch time, dinner time. Um, and then another way to think about this is drive time. So does anyone else feel like you spend way too much time in the car? Does anyone feel a little bit like that? I know we do. We're always running around. And what if we could look at a way when we're driving to leverage that moment? And I'm not saying you need to get your Bible out as you're driving and read stuff. But instead of kids constantly being buried in their phone, and instead of just listening to news and podcasts and music, take time to turn it off and even have them put phones up and talk and ask them intentional questions. And it's not drilling them. It's not, we're playing 21 questions, but ask them intentional questions about, uh, about the day. Leverage that kind of time and then listen to them. Listen to them. Ask them questions. Ask them fun things. That would be a way to leverage the drive time. And then a third one, in terms of a time of day, would be bedtime. And I think by bedtime, most of us as parents, if you have teenagers in particular, really any age, uh, we're tired and we're ready. I know my wife, we're like ready to veg out. We want to watch our show. This is our time. We're like, go to bed. Um, but we found that at night, my wife is way better at this than me because I'm kind of like, check it off the list and get it done and blah, blah, blah. And, and she'll go and I'll, I'll do this some, but she does it better. But to spend time with our girls, just talking, not, not for long, but a few minutes, and asking them a few questions. And what we found over time is that that is a time where they're receptive and where they're opening up. It's kind of a, a cool, peaceful uh, time. Sometimes right before it's not, but as they're actually laying down in bed. And we just take a minute and we'll, we'll pray for them. Just take a minute and pray for them. And I remember times, especially when my girls were younger, that was sometimes where they would uh, just ask me big questions. One time, and I was so tired, I wanted to go to bed. And you know, put him down, and one of my daughters just said, Daddy, why did God have to die? You know? And uh, I was like, we'll talk about it in the morning. Go to bed. No, I'm kidding. But so I took advantage of that moment at bed, bedtime, and we didn't get in some big, long lecture anything, but we just talked about it. So I think bedtime is a way we can leverage time with our kids as well. So those are some of the, the planned times, the unplanned ones. Um, I gave you one example earlier. Another one uh, with unplanned, thinking about world events. There's so many big things happening in the world, and, and school shootings and disasters, and we try to be a little guarded in our home. We love watching the news, know what's going on. Um, even though we try to be guarded, they still kind of hear about it um, and know stuff. Uh, that, that's going on. So looking for ways within that uh, to talk about some spiritual truth and to pray for other people and stuff going on. And even about politics, even, even without, and, and I think we need to be real careful with that, whatever side of the spectrum we're on, that we're not dogging the other side because I guarantee you, your kids are watching and I guarantee you they're taking notes, not literal notes taken down, but they're watching you. 
uh, so be guarded about that. But I think leveraging those moments, and I think even in, in music and TV shows and movies, and we love watching movies, and, and I know there's a lot of bad stuff out there, but there's also really good things. And, and there are movies we've watched that you just see a picture of the gospel, you know? And, and if you watch close enough, there's just, there's cool rest, there's stories of rescue. And there's stories of redemption, and it points back to the cross. So take advantage of times like that and bring that up. And I think uh, another unplanned moment might be relational conflict with friends and teachers. And, and I think we listen, take it in, and then we kind of help coach and guide them along the way. Those are unplanned, teachable moments. So that would be one way, is leveraging the teachable moments. And then a second one is uh, this idea of milestones, okay? Ce- uh, celebrating significant milestones. And I don't know, when I say milestones, I'm not sure what all comes to mind, but my guess is that when you're grown up, if you think back, and some of you it was a long time ago, others not that long ago, but you have significant milestones. It might have been starting school. It might have been playing your first sport or getting in band. It might have been uh, graduation, getting your driver's license, you know, even before that. But these are all significant things. Most of them involve some kind of ceremony or some kind of symbol, or some kind of gift that was all attached to that. The reason that you still remember some of that is because it was a significant time in your life, and there were adults in your life that gathered around you to be able to celebrate that with you, and you remember that. And that's the beauty of milestones, is they have this significant uh, impact on us because we remember that. And if you study some of the Old Testament and you read about feasts and festivals, have you ever noticed that there's kind of these milestone type events with all of these to mark significant things in the history of the people of God? And what they would do is they would use those as ways to pass on spiritual truth. And this is way before, you know, version Bible app and YouTube and GodTube and all the other, you know, stuff we have out there. It was a time before that, but they would use these festivals and these feasts. And, and even if you look back, like in Luke 2, and you see the time Jesus was going to the temple with his, his parents. So he's 12 years old, and y'all remember the story about how Jesus got lost, right? They left him behind, and that's not the kind of thing you want to do for your kids, obviously. But the context of that is, is one of these experiences with Passover, where they're passing on spiritual truth. And if you've ever been to a bar mitzvah, uh, so back when I was in high school, I had a, a Jewish friend of mine that he, it was, uh, or I guess it was middle school, uh, so he was turning 13, had his uh, bar mitzvah, you know, bar mitzvah experience, and I got to go and see that, and it was a big party, it was a celebration, and part of that is, is that the idea that he was becoming a man. A man of the faith, and, and so family came around and celebrated that, and there was food, and there was gifts, and there was celebration about that, and part of what that does is it helps recognize the fact, and this is hard for parents, that our kids are growing up, that they're getting older, and instead of being fearful about it, what if there's ways we can come around and celebrate that? First Corinthians thirteen eleven it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And so a milestone experience is helping parents with their kids to be able to move forward and celebrate these significant milestones. And it's a way to leverage some spiritual truth and speak truth and life into them. And I would say with milestones, there is no one right or wrong way to, to go about it. So you can think about it by grading that. When my kids start sixth grade or eighth grade or you know, tenth grade or graduates, so that's one way to do it. Uh, you can also think about it by a life event like salvation 
or baptism or you know, becoming a teenager, finishing middle school, you know, things like that. So grade level, life event. So here are a few ideas of some milestones that may be helpful that you could uh, uh, teach the parents of your church. So one idea would be a baptism party. I love this because baptism ought to be just celebrated like in our church. And I know a lot, a lot of them they are. But even beyond the actual baptism ceremony, encourage parents that around that time, invite people to your home and have, just like you'd have a birthday party, have a baptism party. And one of the things we did for our girls when it happened is we invited people over and we had the food and we hung out. And we had a Bible open where we had people go and highlight their favorite verses. Okay? And then they put their initials by. So my girls have this as a little bit of a record that, man, that was a significant event. It wasn't just I went to church and they dunked me down, you know, but it was a significant event that people got to celebrate and we were able to give them a gift and make a big deal about that. Another idea is one called a mentor for a day, okay? And this is something we've done for our two older girls and we'll do for our youngest one before long. Uh, But the idea is that in middle school, we wanted to uh, be able to celebrate just kind of where they were in life. And so we told them to think about five adults in your life that you look up to. So outside of mom and dad, outside of grandparents, people that you look up to as a spiritual authority in your life. And who are those people? And what we asked those people to do, we kind of identified them together. We asked them, would you be willing to spend one day or even one afternoon uh, with our daughter one-on-one? And the sky's the limit on what you can do. You can go hiking. Uh, you can go and you can do something kind of artsy. You can go somewhere cool. But we, so we want, want for you to teach them one spiritual truth and then one just practical life truth. And so my girls got five different times with five different women in our church where they got to go and hang out one-on-one. And they were one, one group they went painting. Another one they did go hiking. They did really cool creative things. And each of those ladies that we know and we trust, one of them was our girls minister at church. And they, I mean, several people that we're well connected to. And they have the best time. And they have, at the end of the semester, after all five had done that, so it didn't happen like in like five consecutive you know, weeks or anything like that. But by the end of the semester, we had a, a celebration where we invited those ladies over and we had a dinner and we asked them to share what was the life truth and the practical truth. And they shared that. And then we gathered around my daughter and we just prayed for her. And it was just the coolest thing. So mentor for a day. Uh, that would be another milestone type experience. Another idea uh, is a purity weekend. And this is one that can happen in, uh, later in middle school, early in middle school, uh, starting in high school. But the idea is to invite your son or daughter for a special weekend where you're going to go. And maybe it's just one night. Um, and it doesn't have to be all in one weekend. It can be over several different conversations or several different weekends, however you want to do that. Uh, but you want to have mother with daughter, father with son, and a time for you to have these conversations about sexuality and about what the Word of God teaches. And guys, the reality is for a lot of parents, and, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit later about what we're doing specifically with parents of teenagers at our church. What I found is parents are not always having the conversation in the home, okay? Sometimes they're looking to us as church leaders that y'all do that, you know? Why? Because it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and all that. But guys, here's the reality. If parents aren't talking to them about these issues of purity and sexuality, someone else is. And the number one place that teenagers go to find out information about sex is Google.com. They Google it. They Google it. 
And I guarantee you, you're not going to want what they find on Google to be what's teaching them about healthy sexuality. So some kind of weekend or several different nights or dates or however you want to do that, but to talk to your daughter about that, that would be a great milestone experience. Another one is called a year of discipleship. I, I keep saying this over and over. I love this one. I'm kind of a fan of all these. But a year of discipleship. So with my oldest daughter, Sarah, um, when she started ninth grade, and, and the reality is there's, I'm always kind of her discipler in a sense, and she's been in disciple groups and all that, but I would say, like I said earlier, that my wife and I are her primary disciplers, but I wanted to take a year and more specifically and intentionally invest in her. And so I read this book by Mark Batterson. Uh, he's a pastor in the D.C. area. He wrote, wrote a book called Play the Man. And it was all about him and his sons. I'm like, well, I don't have sons. I have daughters. You know, so I'm going to have to take and adapt a little bit. And, uh, and so I read the book. And what, what he did with his sons is he did this year of discipleship and basically had a uh, spiritual challenge, an intellectual challenge, and a physical challenge. Okay? And so I adapted that for my girls. And what we would do is we would meet together about twice a month. And we would just generally have coffee or go out for, uh, for a meal, talk about life, how things are going. Uh, we read one book a month, okay? And that's a lot. Think about what a ninth grader is already reading. And I told her this. I said, this is an optional thing. I'm not making you, but if you want to do this, I said, I'd love to do this with you. We read one book a month. In the very back, I think the last page in your handout, I have uh, the layout of exactly what we did and book ideas and all that. So I let her pick. I had a list of 20 books or so, and I let her pick. We read one book a month, and we met together. We'd talk about it. Uh, we uh, kept her accountable for quiet time, and she kept me accountable. And I'll tell you what, best accountability partner I've ever had, my daughter, right? Um, the other thing that we did that was kind of a big deal for us is we memorized a book of the Bible. Um, and I have never memorized a book of the Bible until then, but we memorized the book of Philippians. And the way, I, way we did it, we said we're going to literally do this over a year. Philippians is four chapters. So I took each chapter and I divided it up. We had section after section. Let me tell you something. Memorizing the word of God, it's hard. It's hard work. It's hard work. Uh, but it's fruitful and it's worth it. And we worked at that. We met together. She tested me and I tested her. And I failed. You know, it was hard. I wasn't keeping up. Or she wouldn't. But we kept working at it. And by the end of the year, one of the coolest things, we got together. And I forget. At the end of the year, I think it was either end of August or beginning of September. And we got in my living room, and my wife's parents came over, our girls' minister came over, and we sat in the living room, and my ninth grade daughter quoted word for word the book of Philippians. And then I quoted it as well. And it was the coolest thing, because she's going to remember that. And for having a daughter who struggles some with anxiety, um, it was really cool for her to know some of these verses in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And we had even uh, maybe a month ago, I think one of her Sunday morning teachers and you know, anxiety was kind of creeping up again. She said, have you ever thought about memorizing this one verse in Philippians? She goes, I memorized the whole thing. <laughs> you know? And the teacher's like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, um, So that was cool that we got to do that together. Um, and then we had a physical challenge as well. And for that, we basically did a 5K. You're like, Psh, 5K? Hey, it was a big deal to run the 5K. I really thought I would beat her, but she ended up beating me. So it was kind of, uh, kind of humbling. Uh, but it was a really cool time spending together. And I'll do that later with my, uh, or soon, with my now 10th grade daughter, uh, Hannah. So we're going to do that soon. So super excited about that. Another idea is this manhood, womanhood,
maidenhood ceremony. And so we are not there yet at graduation, though I have an 11th grade daughter. We'll be there before long. Uh, but we want to plan, similar to the mentor for a day thing, but a special ceremony of people in their life that are loving on them, investing in them. And we're going to have a celebration where they're going to come and just speak truth over them and speak blessings over them. And that's one, that graduation uh, that we're going to do. So we're very excited about that. And that will come before long. And there's other, there's lots of resources. A great website, I think it's on your resources, is uh, ministrytoparents.com. And they have some of this laid out PDFs. And you know, here's exactly what you do. And, and that's one of the ideas that they had. So that would be a thought. So those are significant milestones. And then finally, uh, it's this idea of memories, creating lasting memories. Creating lasting memories. Um, and the reality is that years from now, your kids are not going to care a whole lot about the stuff you gave them. Okay? Because what's going to happen to it? It's going to be broken. Uh, there'll be a later version of the iPhone that'll be better. You know, um, technology will keep improving, and it, it is going to fade away. And I know it's a big deal of the time, and, and I'm not like anti-gift. I think we give gifts to kids, and we make a big deal and all that. But that is the stuff that will fade away. Here's what will not fade away. It is the memories that you make with your kids. It's the memories. And I think back, I remember growing up, getting up early on Saturday morning, going fishing with my dad. Man, we had a great time. We'd go out in the Gulf of Mexico. We'd go fishing. So I remember times like that. I remember vacations that we've done. Those are the things that we remember. And when you look back in Scripture, you see how important these intentional, these memories are, creating lasting memories. You see this over and over again for leveraging spiritual truth. I love in Joshua 4, it says like this. So Joshua called the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go in the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all. One for each of the tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, oh man, I love this. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing from the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. Uh, uh, when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across, these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So did you notice how these stones are being used to convey spiritual truth. And I think the same way today that we can do certain things that we can create lasting memories for our kids. So lots of ways to do it. Family vacations uh, would be one way. These are the kind of things we're hoping they're going to remember for the long haul. So family vacations. And most of all vacations, we just want to have fun. We want to veg out. We want to go to the beach and do things like that. And I think that's great. But at times like that, carve out time where you're not, where help parents to get this, where they're not working, where they're literally just laughing and playing with their kids. Um, it's a great chance to listen to them. I think in times like that, kids are going to open up maybe a, a little bit different level. Um, and I also think, depending on where you go, there are some ways to intentionally teach them spiritual truth with where you go. We did a vacation to uh, Washington, D.C. in July, and we went to the Museum of the Bible. I'd never been. It's the coolest thing. You need to go to D.C. and see the Museum of the Bible. And our kids loved it. They had a blast, and we kind of let them explore some on their own, and, and we did some. But they had a ball doing that. That was a great thing on vacation that we get to do fun. And they weren't all complaining about it. They had a great time doing that. So family vacation uh, traditions would be another way. So birthdays, holidays. Um, one of the traditions at our church, we do something in December called, it's the Family Lord's Supper. So we do Lord's Supper different times throughout the year. Uh, but this is one where when you come into uh, the worship center, you've got these round tables and different staff members. My wife and I have done this. We'll stand at the table and we'll serve the Lord's Supper a family at a time. Or there might be two to three families that gather 
around the table. We do a mini devotional for that group of 10 people. Um, and then we serve the Lord's Supper. And that's a cool family tradition and a great way to leverage uh, spiritual truth. And then another one is just uh, doing these, uh, what I call daddy dates, okay? So three daughters, um, and I try to, and I don't do this well, but the idea is that once a month that we go out and we're going to do something one-on-one where they're going to hang out. And part of why I do that is I want, for my daughters, I want to set the bar high. Uh, here's how a man ought to treat you. And I still believe a man ought to open the door and ought to pay for you. I just, you know, I'm very old-fashioned like that. But I want them to grow up when they think about who's the kind of guy that I want to date and who's the kind of person I want to marry. I want them to think about someone like me. Not that I feel like I'm perfect. I feel like I'm far from that. But I'm trying to raise the bar a little bit so that their standards won't be low. Their standards will be high. And they'll understand what that's like. And, and dates, we're typically just having fun. I'm not like whipping out my Bible and let's do a, a devotion, a daddy devotion, you know. I'm just hanging out, having fun, spending one-on-one time with my girls. So daddy dates, uh, times to do that. Um, then some other ways to help them remember. Um, so talking about hoping uh, things, things they'll hope that they'll remember and then helping them remember. Uh, spiritual birthdays, I think I might have referred to that earlier, uh, but celebrating that um, we celebrate their actual birthday, but uh, the spiritual birthday, we can make a big deal when that comes around. Uh, another one, uh, so this is pretty cool. This is a photo book of God's faithfulness, and my wife put this together. And basically, it is pictures and stories where we took a period of our life, and, and we have, oh, there's our wedding picture. Uh, so we have that. We had you know, pictures of them when they're babies, and, and she just kind of wrote a little bit about each of them. Uh, there's a time, uh, this is called the blessing of cars, um, where years and years ago, when we didn't have uh, another car, ours had broken and uh, totaled and all that, and we had someone in our church give us a car. And the truth is, if we don't write stuff down, we forget about it, you know? So how cool is that, that you can make something like this, and Joy, we made that where? like Shutterfly. At Shutterfly. So a lot of online things where you can go, you don't have to be a graphic designer, but you can go and you can make these things. Uh, so... Um, a uh, photo book of God's faithfulness. Another idea is a jar of thankfulness. And, and the idea is that you have a jar. This, these ideas, guys, are super simple. All right, super simple. But literally a jar and little pieces of paper, note cards. And when you see that God's been faithful, you write it down and you put it in the jar. And guess what you do on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day? You open the jar and you just start reading them, you know? And what, what you notice will happen is that, wow. Man, God did some really incredible things over this past year. So it's a way to remember uh, the faithfulness of God. And then uh, fourth idea uh, is this idea of a journal. Um, and, and so years and years ago, when my girls were first born, uh, someone that I was in a small group with set, had this idea of what if we began journaling to our kids and writing them letters and all that. And I was kind of like trying to wrap my mind around it. So I'm like, men, men don't do that, you know. Um, and so now I think you know, men can do that. And what if you did that to your daughter? So I was like, you know what, I think I'll do that. And so ever since they were really young, I've got, I've got a journal. And I try to about once a month or twice a month, I, try to, I just write a little letter. It's not long. Um, and it's funny things or it's things I've seen in them. Um, I shared with you earlier about one of my daughters and her struggle with anxiety. Uh, that journal entry took a few pages. Um, it was a hard time in their life, but I, I'm just writing letters to them, and they don't know about it. So if you meet my daughters, don't tell them, okay? So the idea is that at high school graduation, I'm going to give them two to three journals that I've been writing to them their whole life 
of things I've seen in them and things God has done and funny things. So that is a way for them that they can look back. And, and even as I'm writing, and it blows my mind, I'm thinking they're going to be reading this potentially, you know, yeah, when they're, you know, whatever, 18 or when they're 25, that they can look back. And I'm, sometimes I'm just writing out verses, but things I see in them, I want to remind them. I want to remind them of who they are. So a journal, a journal about things that God has done in their life. Guys, the reality is parents in your church are busy, just like parents in my church are. So don't guilt trip them. And don't give them these grand ideas that somehow the expectation is for you to do this midweek three-hour Bible study and attend eight new programs. But think through, what if you can help parents in your church to think about leveraging teachable moments, celebrating significant milestones, and creating these lasting memories? So I encourage you to teach that to parents in your church. But I would say beyond this idea, beyond teaching them to uh, all of this, what are some ways that we as a church can help uh, think through how we develop more of an overarching healthy ministry to parents? So I'm going to give you five steps to that. Okay? So five steps to develop a healthy parent ministry. One, it's simply this. It's very simple. Connect with parents. Connect with parents. And what we're talking about here is building relational connections with parents within your church. And I think depending on your age and your comfort level, some of you, this will be really easy for. And others, I think it'll be harder. When I was early in my 20s, I was more intimidated by parents. I didn't, like, when I thought of youth ministry, I thought of middle and high school students. And I was barely not one, all right? I was in college as a youth minister, and I'm like, man, I, yeah, I'm still kind of in my teens and all that. So looking for ways to build relationship. But earlier, I thought that, that parents' primary mission is to judge me, to try to get me in trouble, potentially get me fired to criticize me, and it really wasn't even that bad. You just build things up in your mind, but I started to learn over time that, no, I think parents actually, they care a little bit, and what if I could get to know them a little bit better, and maybe parent, maybe there's even some things I had to learn from the parents in our church and that they had some really good things to offer. So look for ways to partner with the parents in your church. Look for ways to partner with them. And the truth is we have a similar mission when it comes to teenagers. For those that are believers, they want to see their kids grow into young men, young uh, women, young men who love the Lord and who are living their faith out. But if we're going to help them to do that, We've got to relationally connect with parents and see them as a partner in ministry, then spend time getting to know them. And so look for ways to listen to them and learn their names and learn what's going on. And sometimes in youth ministry, we mainly think about just their teenage kids, but a lot of them have kids that are younger and then kids that are older. And so what if we could also maybe ask a little bit about them? And the reality I found is that for a lot of parents, they are figuring things out day by day because they've realized this and some of you know it because you are parents parenting is hard it's hard it's very hard and every kid my three girls the way we parent them it's a little different for each one because they have different little personalities parenting is hard and if you've never been a parent of a teenager some of that might be a little hard to relate to but my encouragement to you is to show a lot of grace and resist the urge to act as if you understand when you probably don't. But I think you can listen. I think you can empathize and pray for them and encourage them. But if you have never been the parent of a teenager, 
I would hold off giving advice about parenting teenagers unless they're directly asking for something. I think when they, they do that, but I think sometimes in youth ministry, we want to tell them how to do it, and we're like, well, I, if I were the parent, and we think, well, I, you know, I've taken, you know, 30 kids to Six Flags and brought them back, and I know what I'm doing, you know? And you probably don't when it comes to parenting because you hadn't been there yet. So resist that urge, but I think listen to them, get to know them, look for ways to build relationship. And, and these are simple ideas. I think in our youth rooms, that this is a youth room here, and you know, kids are coming in. And we don't have where parents have to come in and kind of check them in, but a lot of them walk by anyhow. But instead of just greeting the teenager, greeting the parents and connecting with them, getting to know them, and, and talking about things that are going on in their life. Instead of it making everything about, remember to sign up for camp. <laughs> remember that D-Now is coming up, you know. I think sometimes we, it's more informational and transactional instead of relational. So a lot of this begins with being a little bit more relational. And looking for ways to brag on their kids. I know as a parent, when people tell me, like, oh, your daughter. And so my daughter was in our band. Oh, we have kind of a rotating band with students and adults. And she was in our band. And when people come up to me and say that, oh, Sarah did great, you know, in that song. Or, you know, Hannah on the leadership team, when she did this, that was awesome. I love hearing that. So look for ways to brag on their kids if they're in band or playing a sport. Uh, connect with the parents as well. And beyond that, looking for ways even outside of the dropping off stuff, have a coffee or have a lunch with a parent at your church just to hang out with them, not for any kind of agenda. Uh, but maybe part of it is to listen to them and even learn from them. Uh, if you're doing notes, write this down. Be teachable. Be teachable. And I think some of us, we might think, man, it's really stressful to take this big group to camp and bring them back. But you might have people in your church that they're running a multi million dollar company and they've got all kinds of stresses you don't even know about and you could probably learn something from them about ministry or about parenting or about life so be teachable another thought is just to encourage parents encourage parents as you have opportunity parenting's hard and they need a lot of encouragement a lot of parents in your church and in mine feel like that they're failing Parents feel like they're failing. I got this email from a parent. I'm going to read you a sentence or two of this. I got this earlier this year. And she said, it's just a lot different. Or it's just a lot of different uh, little things that I'm having issues with today. It's too much to say. I just want him to realize, talking about her son, that his behavior is affecting me in a bad way and rubbing off on his younger brother. I am trying my best, but I feel like I am failing as a parent. I feel like I'm failing as a parent. And I thought about that, and I thought, I bet she's not the only one. Because there are moms and dads in my church, and they're like, man, I'm trying, but you know, dad's working all the time, and mom's working, and they're trying to get lunches made, and a million papers signed, and pay, how are we going to pay for this, and the mortgage is coming up, you know? And there's a lot going on, and there are parents, and they, they've blown up with their kids, and they feel like they're failing as a parent. And guys, the truth is, if, and when some of the, these parents, some of them, they're just doing the best they can to even try to get them to church. And maybe it's not as frequently as we would want, but it's a win when they're trying. So look for some ways to encourage the parents in your church. And I also say look for ways to share the gospel. You have parents of your kiddos that probably do not know the Lord. So maybe they bring their kids, maybe they occasionally come to the worship service, but as you relationally get to know them, Look for ways to share the gospel uh, with parents in your church. And the cool thing is you build these kind of relationships. When criticism does come, you will have people in your corner that are advocating 
for you, and they're advocating for the ministry. But look for ways to share the gospel and relationally connect. Uh, step two is to simply invest in parents. Invest in parents. So connecting with them is good for a healthy parent ministry, but look for some ways to invest. And this requires time and budget and resources and space. Uh, There's a lot of ways to do it, but I want to kind of break it up into three categories. So one is simply groups, okay? And my guess is that at your church, like at mine, you have Sunday school groups or discipleship groups or whatever kind of group, life groups, whatever you call it. And most likely, they're divided up in different ways. And and you might have uh, more kind of friend groups or neighborhood groups. Typically, I find that a lot of parents or teenagers, they're in there with people who maybe are parents of elementary school kids or they have college kids or they have no kids. And I think that's great. I'm all about intergenerational stuff. But I found that over time, parents of teenagers want to be around and learn from other parents of teenagers or uh, those that have survived being a parent of a teenager. And so here's the thought. What if you created a group at your church that is specifically for parents of teenagers? So a couple of years back at our church, uh, my wife and I were talking and, and trying to figure out this kind of our role on Sunday morning. And really didn't make sense for me to be a small group leader with other things we we're doing then. But thought there's really nothing at our church specifically for parents of teenagers. And we found a lot of parents were dropping kids off. And they would sit in the coffee house and not really do anything. And then they would pick them up and they would, they would go to big church together. And so we said, what if we just created a group? And we have a real clever name. We call it Parents of Teenagers. Um, so that, that's, our, that's our group, uh, Parents of Teenagers. And the idea is we meet on Sunday morning uh, from 9.30 to 10.45. So the same time as our students meet in small group. Um, our students meet in an area called the Lodge. We meet next door in the gym. We call it the Ministry Center. And we began with about 10 to 12 parents. And we wanted to come together. And really have a place for them basically to uh, connect with other parents in the same kind of life stage for support and for encouragement. We wanted to have a place where we could talk about parenting issues and questions and things going on, looking at what Scripture has to say. And I also wanted a way, a platform to be able to challenge parents. And I know we can email them. We'll talk about some of that in a minute. But wanted uh, some face time where we could kind of help encourage and challenge them to be the spiritual leaders in their home. And then a place to keep them informed about not only stuff going on in student ministry, but here's some things that are going on uh, in culture. And so we wanted uh, an idea to, a way to have a platform to do that. And so we basically have these tables set up. They sit around there. We drink coffee and we hang out for about 15 minutes. Um, And then my wife and I begin with just kind of an intro time and it's a few announcements and glad you're here and and stuff going on. And then we jump in. We either do a parenting study or a book of the Bible study. We kind of alternate between the two. On the back of your handout, you've got a whole list of resources. A lot of those, um, I forget what it's called. I think it might just say parenting books or something like that. But a lot of those are ones that we have uh, done in our group and they've been excellent. There's uh, starting to see more and more parenting studies out there. But we spend a little bit of time uh, just kind of jumping into that. Sometimes it's a video-driven study. Uh, a video-driven study. Y'all know about Right Now Media. Have y'all heard about them? It's kind of like the Netflix of Bible studies. Um, but there's a lot of great parenting studies on there. Uh, we found, and every church is different, but for us, if it's a 45-minute video, like a sermon, that just doesn't work well. Uh, they're like, I'm going to hear a sermon like an hour from now. You know, I don't want to hear that. So we'll do videos that are maybe 10 to 15 minutes. This Sunday, we're going to show one that's three minutes long. 
and it's about parents teaching their kids about, about being responsible teenagers and how do we do that. Um, we're you know, trying to figure that out. How do we, you know, how do, we do that? And, and a lot of the group, it's very discussion-based. Since so we've made it where uh, anyone can come, and so we got some that come that it's the dad and, and uh, his spouse, maybe he's not married, um, or his spouse is involved somewhere else. So I've got uh, dads that come on their own, moms that come on their own, couples. And they come, and it's a place of encouragement and support and challenging uh, them. And we have, um, I guess from 9.30, 10.45, we hang out with them. The cool thing of what it's done is it's given me this platform. And I've learned kind of like in the verse in Deuteronomy that if you say something over and over again, just like with our teenagers, over time, parents are going to get it. So one of the things that flows out of me that we see over and over again is this idea that you as parents are the primary spiritual leaders of your kid. I might have said that 200 times, okay? And remind of that, and I say it passionately, and I also challenge them, I say, what if this week you were to take 10 minutes, one night, and you open the Word of God together in your home? Man, wouldn't that be cool? And I leave it at that. And we have resources and all that. But I feel like if I just say it enough times that it's going to catch on. And I think it's slowly catching on. And I think parents are beginning uh, to do that. And they're opening the word of God in their home. And so a group that we started with 10 to 12, we've now got 50 people that are part of this parent group. Every Sunday morning that we've got this group that's coming. And they're, they're having fun. They're connecting with other adults. And we're sharing funny stories. We're doing highs and lows. And we're opening the word of God together. And so what if you started a parents of teenagers group within your church? Um, some other groups ideas, uh, other group ideas beyond that uh, is you could do some kind of mom's prayer group. Um, and I think, Joel, what's the name of it? Moms in Prayer now? Um, used to be called Moms in Touch, but there's a group called uh, Moms in Prayer. You can probably Google about that. And really as simple as getting together to pray uh, for kids. So uh, that would be a group. Um, uh, this semester we had one of the moms in our parent group that said, what if we went to the school and the night before it started back, we're like, are you kidding me? The night before it starts back, we've got a million things going on. And what if we pray? And we did that. We had 50, 60 parents show up all different churches, and we went in, and we prayed for the administrators and the coaches, and it was the coolest thing. At the end, we're like, man, let's do this again, and let's not wait till next year. So uh, that would be an IDM, a men's accountability group. Last year, I met with two dads on Wednesday mornings over breakfast, and we only met for about 45 minutes, but it was a way to keep each other accountable, um, and it was also a way just to sharpen each other with the Word of God, so that, that, that's another kind of group. Um, and then, uh, about a year ago, I forget how long, my wife created on Facebook. Do y'all know about Facebook groups? Y'all aware of that? So Facebook, they're now doing more and more and more with groups, and our church, we're trying to recognize that people... Um, and I know we could look at groups on Facebook and say, well, that's not real community, you know. And I hear you. Uh, but here's the deal. Like it or not, that is where people are connecting today. Now I'm all about, and we're going to continue doing stuff in person and all that. But it, it's a both and, not an either or. So what if we recognize the fact that people are connecting in groups and then we created something. So we created one called, surprise, surprise, Parents of Teenagers. All right? And if you, if you went to Facebook and just, uh, I think if you looked at Parents of Teenagers 1, um, that is our group. And so what we do, uh, my wife posts this about five, five times a week. And sometimes it's an article about parenting teenagers and she'll put it out there. And there's a place where people can comment and you have to join the group. You have to request to join. And really the only question is, are you the parent of a teenager? All right. But as the administrator, we can, you know, uh, uh, deny someone if we think there's someone just wanting to stir up 
political whatever stuff. So we've got a few rules uh, to be in the group. But most of the people in there is friends at our church, but it's also friends from when we lived in Texas. And then other people have been like, oh, I want other people to be part of this. And they invite people. And so we've got a lot of people in this group, and we do parenting articles. We do funny, um, just funny kind of memes and stuff about, uh, about parenting. And the funny thing is we get more comments on the funny stuff than the articles. So I'm hoping they're reading the articles, but they really like the funny stuff. Um, but it's a way that we're able to connect a little bit between Sundays with parents at our church. So what if you uh, consider creating that? If you want to see what it's like, I encourage you to find that one, Parents of Teenagers 1, and join that. And we'll consider approving you. Just kidding. You'll be approved. Uh, so that would be an idea. Uh, another thought is uh, seminars. So that is what we're doing right now, seminars. Um, a lot of different ways to do, uh, do seminars. Um, you obviously see the value in them, or you wouldn't be here today, but a few different ways to do seminars. One is to bring in a professional. So this is like the parent ministry expert, uh, youth culture. Uh, a couple years back, we had a guy named Jonathan McKean, um, and he's got a, a really good website called The Source, and then the number four parents, and I think it's .com. Uh, but we brought him in, and he did this seminar called Parenting the Smartphone Generation. Now, what I've learned is that a lot of parents are going, man, when it comes to technology, ah, we need help, you know? So we did this on a Sunday afternoon, 2 to 4, had a lot of parents come. It was very good. Uh, for bringing someone like that in, it's pretty big money uh, for honoring them and you're flying them in. But there's ways to partner with other churches or you can charge admission, something like that. But bring in a professional. Now, we also did one, I think the next slide is called More Than Just a Talk. You can guess what the talk was about. Um, and that was well attended. And I, I think parents walked out of there pale. You know, they're like, ah, you know. Uh, but we gave them resources uh, with that. So bring in a professional. Another idea uh, is to lead your own seminar. Um, and, and I know you might think, wow, um, how would I ever do that? Um, you work at it and you research it and you get help and you do it. So a couple years ago, what I just taught you in Moments, Memories, Milestones, my wife and I developed that content just from our own kind of raising our girls and talking to friends. And we created a, a seminar, but here's how we did it. We did it, listen to this, on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.45. Why would you do it then? Well, uh, you have built-in child care for your kiddos. So to try to get them to come back on the Sunday afternoon, we have decent attendance at the parenting smartphone one where we paid the big money. But for the free one that didn't cost us anything, we had even more that came. And we had to do it in a shorter amount of time, so about an hour and 15 minutes. But we had our parent group that they brought like casseroles and breakfast stuff. So we gave them a free breakfast. We did the seminar, well attended, and, and a way for parents to learn some of these ideas. So lead your own. Another idea is partner with a local expert. You probably have people within your church, uh, within your community, that are experts in a certain area. So uh, we had people, uh, some people in our community that, uh, when it comes to pornography and some of the struggles that, that they counseled a lot of people that were in jail. Uh, because of stuff that they got in trouble of when they were teenagers. So this seminar we did called Be Careful What You See. Now as adults, we look at that. You don't know exactly what we're talking about. But when we, when we wanted to promote this at church, we didn't want to call it the porn seminar. Okay? Might have attracted a different crew of people that we didn't want to come. So we were trying to be careful about how we called it. So parents knew exactly what it was and they came. Had great attendance to that. Uh, free breakfast, we did that whole thing. Another one we did, it's called Hope for Your Hurting Teen. 
Um, this is on understanding anxiety and depression and suicide. We partnered with another counselor, and my wife and I led part, and we talked a lot about personally, here's our struggle. And, man, we laid it out. And, and I will say, being that it was with stuff with their own daughter, uh, we got her permission before we shared all that. And we even had a little segment where she shared a little bit uh, in, a, in a video format about most, most people I've learned, uh, they don't get anxiety. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, worrying. I worry sometimes too. Stop worrying. Um, it's not like that. <laughs> not like that at all. So we wanted to unpack what it is like, and then here's the hope. Here's the hope. And uh, had, I don't know, 75 to 100 parents that came to that on a Sunday morning and just thought that was cool. Even though it was hard content, it had so many parents that came up and said, thank you. And that was very helpful because my kid is depressed or my kid is suicidal, or, you know, and, and some parents walking through hard stuff. So a seminar, some different ways you can do that. Okay? Um, last idea under this section of investing in parents, it's resources. And I'm not going to go into this too in depth because I, I think I put them all in the back. Um, but wow, give parents resources. If you can give it away for free, give it away for free. If not, charge them a little bit. Uh, when I do, uh, we do a, a parent meeting at the beginning of the um, school year. And I get, always give parents some kind of free parenting book. Usually I get, there's one that Mark Batterson wrote called Praying Circles Around Your Kids. You can get it on Amazon for like two bucks. You know, it's like a bunch of those and everyone gets it. You know, I can afford a $2 book to give that to them. But uh, provide resources, uh, websites, uh, put something uh, together from the curriculum that you're doing on Sunday morning, but resource the parents. In our product table at our church, it's a lot of student books and Bibles and shirts and all that. We also have a parenting section. Parents can get resources there. So resources. All right, third one is communicate to parents. Communicate to parents. So um, what I'm talking about here is not like uh, your interpersonal communication skills. I'm sure we all you know, need to work on that and grow on that. What I'm talking more about is communicating um, to parents in some specific ways. So one is through events. And one event you can do with parents is called a transition event. A transition event. <coughs> and I want to be clear uh, what I'm talking about with parent events. I'm not talking about adding a million... Was that... Wow, that was really loud. Okay. For the people listening to this, that was lightning, but they're in thunder. We're all still here. So that was really loud. It's kind of scary. Uh, transition event. So the idea is that uh, parents who have rising sixth graders, so whenever people start become part of the youth group, that you do some kind of thing for them specifically to help them transition well. So we do this in July, and uh, this is called, we call it a moving on up party. And our children's ministry plans it, but our student ministry staff attends it, okay? So it's basically a cookout, pool party. And what we do, a lot of it's just fun and hanging out, but it's relationally time for our staff to get to know the parents and connect with them. And here's the deal. Parents, when kids are starting the youth group, it is a little overwhelming because what are they used to? They're used to, I go and I check them in and then I check them out. And when we go to like the kids camp, I and mean, we have ratios of like, you know, two, for every two to three students, there's a, uh, an adult or two. I mean, the ratios are incredible. I could never do that in student ministry. Um, but parents are nervous about that. How are, what is this going to look like? And they're wondering, can I trust you? These are questions they're asking. Wow, if you're in student ministry, they're wondering, can I trust you to bring my kid to camp and bring him back alive? Years down the road, they're wondering, can I trust you? We take, we take yours to Guatemala and Scotland and international mission trips, and i got parents knowing, and I have dads that look me in the eye, and they're like, you take care of my daughter, you know? And I'm like, I get it. 
Like, I get it. So they're asking these kind of questions early on, can I trust you? So it's some kind of transition event. And we take about 10 minutes with the kids. And just as the student ministry staff, we gather them up and say, we're so excited. We can't wait for you to be in youth group. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. Kids ministry has been awesome. And this is going to be awesome as well. We can't wait to have you. And here's what we have coming up. So it's a transition event. It's fun. It's super cheap. It's easy to do. Another event is called a connection event. And we do one called the Parent Connection Lunch. We do it on a Sunday. Uh, so we did this on the first Sunday in August. We do it from 12.15 to 2. Um, and basically at this event, we have a free lunch. We provide free childcare. So they have to sign up for that. And if they've got uh, teenagers, we let them hang out in our student building and our interns hang out with them. And the purpose of that time is to meet our staff. It's to learn our, our vision, our mission, our values. We give them all the events that we know. Everything coming up. We give them all the dates of stuff going on and share what's going on. This year we even made a video, a highlight video, from all of our events to give them an idea of what's going up. And, the, and, and for this event, all parents are invited, but specifically we invite, encourage rather, parents of rising 6th graders and rising ninth graders to come. And then anyone that's new to the church in the past year. So encourage them to come. And we typically have, I don't, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 parents that come to that. And it's a really cool time over lunch to share vision and mission and values and events. And that, that's a cool thing, Parent Connection Lunch. And they get to meet other parents. And we tell them things like, open the word of God in your home. So a cool opportunity there. And then a third one would be a parent leader event. A parent leader event. We do this one. We'll do this uh, coming up in September. But it, this is also super easy and super cheap. So we have all of our students for that particular Sunday, they meet in our gym. And, and I'm sorry, they meet in our, in our student building. And then we have all the parents meet with the leaders. And uh, we have this breakfast and we just get like Dairy Queen biscuits and, and we get some uh, bagels and things like that. And I get up for about five to ten minutes and share a little bit of vision, vision and things coming up. The rest of the time, they sit around tables and on the table it'll say ninth grade girls A. You know, tenth grade guys B. And the parents walk around, they kind of find which who's the leader of their kids. Some of them have three or four kids, and they're going to different tables. But they informally talk to them, hang out with them, ask questions. If I'm a parent, I'm going, hey, here's some stuff going on with, with my daughter that I think you need to know about, or here's some ways you can pray for my family. And every year we do this, uh, it is well attended, and parents are thankful, and leaders are. And all of our students, we have them with some of our other adults, and we kind of do a big group thing that, that morning. Uh, but we do that once a year, the parent leader uh, breakfast, once a year, typically in September. Okay? So those are some events. Uh, another thing I want to talk to you about, I know we've got a few minutes left, uh, so we'll wrap it up real soon. Uh, but in terms of communication, is to think about, and this sounds so old school, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, uh, parents still email. All right? They do. So uh, I would encourage you to email parents, all right? And I think, you know, texts are great and tweets and all this other stuff. But a lot of parents, how they communicate is by email. So a few quick tips on email. Uh, one is keep it short and sweet. Okay, I used to do longer emails, and they were beautifully designed templates. And they would include parenting articles and videos. And the truth, oh, it hurts me to say, is they didn't read it. You know, and I'm still a little personally offended. They just didn't read it. Um, but they kind of want to know, and it's probably like how you read email. What do you do? You scan it, and you read the parts that are important to you. And guess what? I do the same thing, you know. Somehow I just thought my emails were more important, but they weren't. So keep it short and sweet. Uh, use some pictures in there. Nothing's worse than getting uh, text after, you know, long lines and lines. So put a few pictures in there. 
Um, and guys, the truth is most people read their emails on this, okay? So they don't, I mean, they don't want laptops and computers, but I used to have things where we'd have a graphic here and here, and we started realizing that for people to read it, it's hard to do. So literally on mine, it's a graphic, a little bit of text, a graphic, a little bit of text, and then the third idea is add some links. So the idea is graphic, a little bit of text, and then to sign up, click here. To learn more, click here. And that way they can click the parts they want and they can scan it really quickly, okay? So short and sweet, pictures, and then links. All right, two more, and we'll get it wrapped up. Uh, next one is involve your parents. Now I'll summarize some of this. Uh, so we've got places to go, involve your parents. The idea here is that parents potentially could be some of the best volunteers in your church. And I think sometimes in student ministry, we write off parents and teenagers because their kids, we think, well, they don't want them there. And parents think, well, I'm, I'm not cool enough to do it, or I'm not spiritual enough, um, or I don't, they don't even know that you need help. But what if, what if you could think about ways to invite parents into what you're doing? If you were to come in my youth room on a Wednesday night, you would see parent after parent after parent. Now, now occasionally there might be a small group leader, but in general, they're at the product table, they're at the check-in table, uh, they're greeting, they're making name tags, you know, they're doing all, they're behind the cafe, and parents are, are heavily involved. Part of that is because we've started this parent group, and they've built a community together. And I now have a parent that is recruiting other parents. I don't even have to do that. So I've got people recruiting other people, and lots of parents involved, and they're incredible volunteers. And if anyone ever tries to criticize their ministry, say something against me, I know they will defend me. Why? Because I know them. And I have relationships with them. So involve parents in uh, different ways. And I think you've got this on your notes. There's ways for them to be involved. Ongoing ways like check-in team, info desk, um, in events like a D-NOW, uh, camp, mission trips, um, directly with students. My caution would be, um, and I would say this really for any leaders, you still need to have a process. Um, if we get a sense that a parent's like, well, I want to be involved in a youth group because I want to spy on my kid. I want to be sure that no guys are going after my daughter. I'm like, I hear that. Uh, but I want to still check motives a little bit. I get all that, uh, but we want to put people in the right places. In general, don't put parents with their own kids. Occasionally, I've made some exceptions where, where that made sense. Okay? So involve your parents. Um, walk them through a process. And the last one is simply this, and this should be so obvious. This should have been step one, um, but it's the idea of praying for parents. And, and I really don't even call it, I mean, I call it a step here, but this really should be woven throughout is that as, as staff members, as volunteer leaders, we need to find some ways that we can get together and specifically and intentionally pray for parents because parenting is hard. And a lot of parents are, they feel like they're failing and they've got stuff, there's stuff going on that you don't even know about. And the little bit I do know about, I mean, we've got you know divorce going on, we've had affairs that have happened, um, there, death in the family, uh, oh, it's heart-wrenching stuff. And my guess is at your church, it's the same. So praying for parents, some ways to pray for them, a lot of different ideas, but here are five. One is to pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given to him. Pray for courage. Have I not commanded you be strong, you know this verse, and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Guys, parents need courage. I need courage in my home because sometimes I want to bow to culture. Now, I don't want to, but my parent, my kids come home, they're like, well, every other, you know, mom and dad, you know, it, it, it would be easy just to go like, well, I mean, maybe we're being too hard, you know. Parents need courage to be their parent. They're not, God didn't call them to be their best friend. God called them to be their mom 
and their dad. And that's a very specific role. So praying for courage. Another one is perseverance. Pray for perseverance. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So parents, we need to pray for them that they would persevere and not give up. Pray for healing. Malachi 4.6, he will turn hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. I guarantee you that there are some uh, parents and teenagers in your church where relationally things are broken. And it will be a miracle of God for that to be healed. But we serve a God who works miracles. So pray for healing. And then finally, pray for hope. Pray for hope. Um, in Hebrews 6.19, final verse today. Wow. Wow. Uh, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Guys, parents need hope because a lot of them are struggling. Pray for hope. Pray for hope. As we wrap all this up today, uh, just think through. With, and I know we've talked about a million ideas. And I'll, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to be done. And I will hang out if you have questions. But think about it like this. Who is one parent in your church that you can specifically and intentionally pray for and encourage this week? That's one idea. Another, what is one idea from today? We've talked about 500 ideas. But what is one idea from today that you could apply and you could begin implementing this month? Okay. We're almost in September. Maybe think about that for September. One idea. And then what is one event or one group or one seminar that over the next year that you could implement? Okay? I come to stuff like this and I'm like, my mind is blown and there's so many things and I want to do it all. Um, that will not work. But think about one parent. Think about one idea and then one event or group or seminar over the next year. And take a step forward. So let me pray for us. Man, thank you all for being a part. Uh, I love seeing you <laughs> nod your heads. I love the affirmation. Um, I'm, man, I love parent ministry. This is huge for me. And guys, our parents need it and our churches need it. Let me pray for us and we'll wrap up. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. And uh, Lord, thank you even for the rain and thunder right now. We know there's reasons for, um, for all that. And uh, so I just thank you for your, the majesty of you that we get to see in that. And Lord, I thank you for everyone here today and time to hang out for a little bit and talk more about parent ministry and what that potentially could look like. And Lord, I pray for the wisdom for us as leaders in a local church to know what it would look like to more effectively minister to parents and to give them resources and to help them to be the spiritual leaders that you've called them to be for their kiddos. Uh, so Lord, give us wisdom and direction as we move forward from here. We love you, God, and we worship you. We look forward to what you're going to do at the rest of this conference here at Go Georgia. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Right. Guys, thank you all for being here today. I uh, appreciate